Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Savior, Pastor of New Wine Ministries, great to be with you today. Chose a little uh, getaway resort kind of picture in the back, an island, tropical island, <sighs> refreshing. Amen. Great to be with you today. We've got an amazing broadcast lined up for today. We're going to be sharing things that perhaps you have not heard in a very, very long time, but I know you're going to be refreshed uh, by it, and that's the purpose of what we're doing here today. But before I begin today, I want to say that our Feast of Tabernacles celebration was the most successful Feast of Tabernacles that we have ever had. And I'm talking 31 years of hosting the Feast of Tabernacles, participating in the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, doing so many different things. We have never experienced the level of meaning in the Feast of Tabernacles as we did this year. It was absolutely, simply phenomenal in comparison to the others that we have had. And all they're always good. But again, we are in dress rehearsal. The Feast of the Lord are rehearsals for the ultimate Feast of Tabernacles that will take place at the end of the age when the Lord returns to gather together his elect from the four winds of the heaven and he brings in the wheat harvest. We believe that with all of our hearts, that we are tasting and experiencing just a foretaste. I mean, it is a foretaste of what the in-gathering actually means. And you know, the Feast of Tabernacles 
is all about the ingathering. It's the sukkah. It is the remembering of the, uh, the wilderness journey, dwelling in sukkahs or tents, and how we in the new covenant are dwelling in these tents, these tabernacles. And um, what that all means is this is momentary. This is only for a moment, this experience that we are having on this side of eternity in our generation is simply momentary. It is just a very small uh, comma in the history of our eternal existence and what is before us. And so we, like all the generations who have gone before us, who have come and gone, well, they have either gone into eternal life or they have gone into eternal damnation. We believe that through Jesus Christ, we have been born again, we are saved by grace through faith, and that we are on a pathway that leads to eternal life. And so uh, what we experience in the Feast of Tabernacles is that eternal reality, that union of the saints of God, the ingathering of the wheat harvest, the ingathering of the true saints of God. And my goodness, just tapping into it the bit that we did was absolutely amazing. Our uh, conference speakers, Pastor David and Victoria Obenauer, Pastor Melissa Fletcher and her, her husband Chad, uh, Pastor Kevin Honeycutt and Nancy and Stephanie, who came from Tennessee, uh, Pastor Ken Maddox, who came from Gateway Christian Fellowship and spoke into it, Pastor, uh, Pastor Ken Wagner, who knocked it out of the ballpark Friday morning, Pastor Michael Villarin, who changed the atmosphere uh, when he spoke on Thursday, and then our corporate gatherings, our time of fellowship, breaking bread. Yesterday, the very last day, Monday, we gathered together, and people just came up one by one and shared their experiences, and uh, the meals that were prepared every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the, uh, we had an opportunity to take our guests out on the one of the great lakes here in Northwest Arkansas and go boating and inner tubing. And that was a lot of fun and very joyful. Um, and I just go on down the list of all the things, the music every day, every morning, every evening, uh, the musical worship and praise uh, that we experienced was just phenomenal. Uh, we broke out into, I mean, incredible praise. I mean, it was beyond Pentecostal into spiritual worship and we got in there we tapped in and we were all fed <clears throat> in different ways and it was just amazing and uh what was great you could go back and you could hear some of our evening services i believe tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday services you could hear all of those and it was just you know a, a touch it's all you could do by watching it on the videos get just a little bit of the spiritual atmosphere. See, to, to step into the atmosphere was amazing. So I want to personally say without, you know, uh, exaggerating one bit, we heard it from every direction. This was great. This was, people that told me last year, last year was the best, told me this year, this was the best. And so uh, that's very true. And we had a wonderful time. There was just beautiful foretaste of what eternity will be like, the ingathering, the wheat harvest, the coming together, what heaven's going to be like. And yet in these tabernacles on this earth, we are burdened and we do groan. Uh, Paul wrote that in the book of Corinthians. And it's not that we're burdened and groaning because of 
you know, we're doing something wrong. It's because we live in a world that's hostile to the purposes of God. And we live in a world where the world, the flesh, the devils are constantly opposing our forward motion in becoming what God has called us to be. So uh, all of that happened. The Feast of Tabernacles was phenomenal. And we're just hitting the ground. We ended it yesterday. We're hitting the ground today, moving forward. Uh, we have to start getting a real God speed about us to get to where we're going. I want to uh, bless our friends who are driving today back home. Uh, anybody traveling back to their respective territories, we ask the Lord to bless you and keep you and put his angels all around you and that the blood covenant will stand on your behalf in Jesus' name. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, we had our missionary friends, Brian and Kathy, joined us. They put a video together that touched our hearts deeply. And Brian and Kathy, if you're tuned in today, God bless you for what you did it was beautiful. I myself personally wanted to fly out of my seat, go to Honduras and start working, doing something that uh, would be useful. God bless you guys. You did a phenomenal job. You brought an incredible message, and uh, we've just fallen in love with you, so just know that's true. And then our dear friend Daniel Seckham, he too came in through video from Australia. Uh, I was hearing oohs and ahs and the messages that he was bringing and, um, you know, what they're going through in Australia right now and how he laid that forth. And uh, Daniel, excellent job. I know you're not listening right now. You're sound asleep because it's like one, one in the morning for you. Um, but, man, if you are listening, it was phenomenal. And if you will be listening, not sure, by the way, if we're going to be uh, recording this video. They said that our computer is out of storage. It looks like um, we need some refreshing on our technology here. However, one of the things that uh, also you might want to put on your calendar uh, before I step into this uh, particular moment, um, October 22nd through October 24th, put that on your calendar, October 22nd through October 24th, we have our dear friends, Chris and Maxine Brochu from Canada, who are going to be coming to Northwest Arkansas, and they are going to be speaking and imparting into the, the saints of God here in New Wine Ministries. So put it on your calendar, Chris Maxine Brochu from Canada. Chris has a ministry in Africa where he ministers to the darkest regions of Africa in the third level of prison he has a prison ministry where he goes in, there's the really bad people, and then there's the really, really bad people, and then the really, really worst of the worst people. That's where he goes, into the worst of the worst, the prisons of people, and ministers the Father's heart, the love of God. Chris and Maxine will be here on October 22nd through the 24th. They have a life-changing message, and they carry that very special anointing. So uh, we will be doing that. In fact, it is our intention throughout this year to be hosting many men and women of God who are anointed and appointed to bring the word of the Lord in this hour in which we live to help further the preparations for the coming of the bridegroom and uh, getting ourselves ready to meet the Lord. So that's going to be a phenomenal time. We're looking forward to Chris and Maxine Brochu, October 22nd through the 24th. Also, one of the men who made everything possible uh, through his work 
was Kevin Halger. And Kevin Halger was in the back booth along with Michael Villarin. And together they put all the videos and the audios and they, they ran everything. And today is Kevin's birthday. And I want to say to Kevin Halger, happy birthday, sir. God bless you. And I don't know how young you are, but uh, you're doing good. You're looking good, feeling fresh. What prophetic words were spoken over your life this week? Wow, that was amazing. So, Kevin, happy birthday. I'd sing, but I don't want to hurt anybody's ears. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Now, great success. We're friends that are traveling, safe journeys. We're glad you're with us. Those of you who have arrived home, we know that you have gone home with a download. And I'm going to pick up where we left off. And I want to get to a writing. We did a lot of this while we were there. And this particular theme here, uh, this message, we started most of our meetings with prophetic words or writings. And I want to share with you who are listening. And by the way, before I do that, um, it's super important that I do this. So I want to get this out there for people. And I'm going to write the banners out. I want you to know that you can go to, there it is right here. I want you to know that if you go, it's on the screen, to omegaradio.org. You see that right there? Because eventually we're going to be off YouTube. Eventually we're going to be off of Facebook. But you will be able to follow us, whether by listening or by um, watching us at this address omegaradio.org. And when you go to omegaradio.org, you'll be able to hit the listen live button and we'll be live because we're going to be broadcasting through Sam Broadcaster and we're going to be broadcasting through Blog Talk Radio for the audio part of this. And then, of course, we have the video part as well. And so that's going to be a more perfected reality. But the, the dependency, and maybe we won't reach as many people as we'd like to, through the platforms of YouTube and Facebook, but definitely Omega Radio, and then launching out into Gab, launching out into Rumble, launching out into Brighteon, uh, these other platforms eventually we will be opening up to. So we're excited about that as well. But for the moment, until we get there, we want to continue to let you know we will be broadcasting Tuesday through Friday on OmegaRadio.org as long as Uh, We're able to broadcast on YouTube, and by the way, we are broadcasting on YouTube under Vincent Xavier, and we are broadcasting on Facebook under the Omega Radio, uh, you can find it, Omega Radio Network, Omega Radio, and we are broadcasting live there as well. And until that ends, uh, we'll keep doing it. But if it does, you go, wow, where did did that ministry go? It's at omegaradio.org. Super, super important that we got that out there today. Now, what I would like to do is read this word to you, and I would call this the wrapping up. This is the wrapping up or the summary of the Feast of Tabernacles that God brought to us, and I want to share it with you today. It's called the man of victory, the man of victory. The man of victory is arising in the earth. I have longed for a people who would be united in perfection since the onset of my church. 
I have looked for a people whose love would transcend all earthly and temporal satisfaction, who would willingly depart from the ways of a fallen creature and accept the new nature that I have placed within them and live out from it. I have sown my seed into the earthen vessels of humanity and have long waited for the harvest of righteousness to fill the earth. Understand my heart today. I am looking for quality, not quantity. I have all things. I need nothing in the concept of abundance. The earth is mine in the fullness thereof. Yet what I long for is a people who have been created in my image and likeness to come forth in all the glorious realities of the second man from heaven. My heart is to fellowship with those I have formed a relationship with, yet not the fellowship of a father and a child, but as a father with his son, the huios, not gendered, male or female, but the huios, the mature ones. I am mustering up the man of war the man of victory in this day. This man will have success, victory, conquest, and triumph in all his doings. This is the man that I have determined to refresh in this season. He is the man from above. He is the man of complete and perfect deliverance. He is the overcomer. He is the militant, triumphant church in the earth, dominating all forces of evil, gaining the victory in every contest. In the spirit, this man is seen as my beloved bride, for I am the head of this man. I am the covering, the masculine, the atom of his existence. In the earth, this man is the head over the old Adam race. In the earth, this man is the dominant force. In the earth, all creation submits and yields. In the earth, all men see this man as the blessed and prosperous one. Yes, all creation is watching to see this man of victory come to power. For this man is the manifestation of the sons of God who have been prepared before the foundation of the world that in due season would come forth and deliver the creation from the bondage of corruption. Who then is this man of victory? It is the body of my love coming forth as a perfect whole in whom I am in the midst thereof. This man is being revealed out of heaven. He is coming out of obscurity and is being revealed in Mount Zion. This man is alive in the earth today. He has come to the appointed time wherein all things are being summed up. This man lives in the acceptable year, the year and day of vengeance. He lives in the season of the twinkling of an eye. He is here in the earth being joined and formed together. Mighty deliverance has been accomplished in him. This man has yielded to all of my purposes and has crucified all internal resistance against my spirit. This man carries a cross, not on a banner, but in his heart. All of his own emotions, thoughts, desires, and will have been put on the cross, and I have poured into him all of my thoughts, desires, and will 
emotions. He lives and moves by every breath from my mouth. He is led, guided, and directed perfectly in all situations. All things prosper in his presence. He is the man of victory that is ordained to slay the dragon in the sea. He is the one to whom Leviathan shall bow. He is most glorious, beautiful, shining with the light of my glory. He is a reflector of all my love and strength. Now I speak to this man, and I say it is time to arise. For the daughters of Jerusalem have not stirred thee before the time, for the time is now. Arise, my man of victory, for I am sending the rains to your land. The preparation time is through. The time to arise in the earth has come to be my ministers, my priests. The time has come to offer the incense of your prayers and to be honored in the earth. My priests shall have no shame. They shall shine as the brightness of the noonday and will have overcome every plot and strategy of the evil one to blemish them and put spots upon them. Yet I say that this man of victory that is alive this day has no spot. No blemish can be found in him. His strength is superior to Samson in his greatest day, yet without the blemish. He has the faith of Abraham, my friend, yet without the blemish. He has the wisdom of Solomon, yet without the blemish. He has the anointing of David, yet without the blemish. He is the man sent from heaven, whose head is the Christ. He is the fullness of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. I speak to him. He is in you. And the voice of the Father says to arise, come forth, man of victory, Tread upon the scorpions, tread upon the serpents, tread upon the head of all the power of the enemy. Come forth and do what I have ordained you to do in this day. It is the third day. It is the seventh day. It is the day of redemption. It is the day of reformation. It is the day of the Lord. Arise, mighty man of war. Rise and take the dominion. Take the kingdom. Sit up. Take your seat, rule and reign. Your time being spent on the backside of the mountain is through. It is time for your appearing. Surely you will hear my voice saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. Hallelujah. All right, so this is just a reality. Now, it was really awesome and cool because to see the saints responding to these words under the tent and in the building was awesome because the loud cries of, Hallelujah, and shouting went forth. And so these are God's instructions. But I want to go a little deeper. I want to go a little further into who this man is. And I want to read out of Ephesians 2. And I'm going to start with verse 13. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's speaking to you and I, all of us, okay? Verse 14. For he is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, the Jew and the born-again Christian. 
Watch. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of two one new man, so making peace. All right. So, and he might, in verse 16, he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity. Now, let me just simplify what the Apostle Paul was saying. The Apostle Paul received an unveiling of a mystery. And he writes about it in Ephesians chapter 3. He writes about it here. He writes about it in Colossians. He writes about the mystery of the Jew and the Gentile becoming one new man in the earth. He talks about the middle wall of partition between the Goyim and the Yehuda, if you will, or those that were connected in the Old Testament to the economy of heaven. But in Christ Jesus, he tore the middle wall of division or partition that was between them. He tore it down. And he made of the two one new man. This is what we're referring to in the word of the Lord that we just read. The one new man, the man of victory, the man of power, the man of strength, the manifestation of the sons of God. This is the one new man that he is longing for to walk through the earth as a mobile tabernacle that the glory of God may shine through and work through at this time, just like God was in Christ doing the work. So it is that this is what God is going to do in the last days at the end of time. He's going to have a one new man people that he's going to be operating through, shining through, who are connected in the heavens to the head. Now, what does it mean to be one new man? Well, I like the word new because the word new is the kainos. Okay? It's the kainos. The kainos man. Listen to what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago about being a present reality then. And notice that we're 2,000 years down the road or two millennial days down the road, and he's still longing for this expression in the ecclesia, the body of Christ. Now, the word new there is the kainos, and what it literally means is freshness, okay, so it talks about being made fresh, but it has a superior meaning as well. And I'm going to go down to the the depths of this, and I'll show it to you. It literally means made fresh, unused, unworn. It talks about of a new kind. So the one new man is a new kind of man. It means unprecedented, unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. And that is the exact meaning of the word. So if I go into the Strong's and I look for that particular verse in Ephesians 2.15, here's what it brings me to. This is the meaning of it, in the exact meaning of that scripture, I bring all things into a new and better condition of a new kind, 
Here it is again. Unprecedented, novel, uncommon, unheard of. The present state of the ecclesia uh, still has way too much of the old nature of Adam operating in it that frustrates the purpose and plan of God. But there will come in these last days a crucified people who have put to death the deeds of the flesh, have put off the old man, and have put on the new man, okay? And they will be the new kind. They will be the unprecedented. There's never been a man like him. The firstborn son, let me slow it down, Jesus was the firstborn of this new man, this novel man, this unprecedented man. Yeshua was the second man from heaven. God made a man named Adam out of the earth. Yeshua came from heaven with a totally different DNA. He came with a different nature. He was the first of the new creation. You and I who have been born again into him, now we're to put on this new man, Yeshua being the firstborn. What God is saying that what is frustrating on the earth right now are believers all over the world. And this is not a condemnation. This is not a condemnation. This is an observation of where we need to go and what we need to look forward to. Right now in the earth with all of our programs, all of our big buildings, all of our labor, all the ministry, all that we do, unfortunately, there hasn't been a proper administration of the cross of Jesus Christ to crucify all the old nature attributes. And therefore, even though we go in the spirit, we do things spiritual, but then that old nature comes up and is always corruptible. But the time is coming that that corruptible force of the old nature will no longer impede or influence the one new man in the earth forward progress of advancing the kingdom of God and taking the dominion like he's been called to do. And you may say, that'll happen in heaven. No, the Bible says we now are to be putting off the old man, putting on the new man, right? All right, that's good. But again, I want you to know that what you are becoming, what we are becoming as the one new man in the earth is an unprecedented man, a novel man, an uncommon man, an unheard of in the world in which we live. The worldly man, the man of flesh, the man of sin, the man of the soul, the suke, the psyche man, the man of his own emotions, the man of his own logic, the man of his own reason, the man of his own human nature, though he may have the spirit of God in him at best, he still is frustrating the purpose of God in the sense that his humanity gets in the way. But there is coming on the earth in these last days a man of victory, the overcomers, who will have crucified every affection for the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil, will no longer operate out of them but will operate out of the fullness of the divine nature that we have become partakers of. Now, this is where things are going to accelerate. This is what the devil is warring against. This is what the devil does not want to happen. This is the devil standing at the womb of the Hebrew women, stopping Moses from coming into view. This is the devil standing at the womb of Mary, trying to destroy the Christ when he's born. This is the devil in Revelation 12 
standing at the womb of the woman, the church, that's bringing forth the sons of God. You see, the devil knows what's coming, but the revelation has been so much buried. There's been such little light that so many people have just given up on the outward uh, manifestation of the inward reality of that novel, uncommon, unheard of, unprecedented reality that that's just beginning to dawn like a day star dawning in this revelation has to get to the people of God, that the intent of God is that his mobile tabernacle in the earth will move without the frustration. You see, Jesus, he was able to allow the expression of God to move through him fully without being impeded, without being thwarted. Everything that God wanted to do was accomplished through him because there was nothing in him that was in the way. Now, you and I have been partakers of the earthly nature, the corrupt nature, the depraved nature, but through the cross, we are to be putting that to death and living out of the pneuma man. Now, that's bringing us into another conversation here. I wanted you to know that where it's going right now, what God is doing is he's gathering together a people on this earth known as the one new man. There's no middle wall of partition. The one new man is connected to the head in heaven, Jesus Christ. He no longer operates out of the old Adam mentality, the suke, the psyche man, the emotional man, right? All of that. He's operating in the spirit. This is a whole new Testament. This is where we're going. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. You have to, in your mouth, what, what comes out of your mouth, what you speak, you have to know that words are life and death. You have to know what is coming out of your mouth. What wind? Is it the suke man speaking? Or is it the spirit of God speaking? And this is really important. That's why it's so important to line ourselves up with the word of God, what it says, not what we feel. We cannot minister out of our own failures or weaknesses or lack of successes in our journey with Jesus. It doesn't matter. Everything is bringing us unto a moment, okay? So we're either going to align ourselves with the word of God and say what it says, like what we're talking about today, or we're going to speak out of our emotional realm, our, our reasoning, logical mind that says, well, that can never be. And that's just the breath, okay? So what breath are you speaking out of? The suke man, the soul man, or the pneuma man, the spiritual man? Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians 2, 13, Paul writes, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teaches. We don't want to hear man's wisdom but which the Holy Ghost teaches. See, what you're hearing right now is Holy Ghost teaching. This isn't man's wisdom. This isn't man interfering with what God says. This is coming into agreement with what the Holy Ghost is teaching, right? So, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Listen to verse 14, 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man, receives not the things of the spirit. Now, what is that word natural man? That's the sukenos, all right? And, uh, or the sukekos, suke, psyche. Okay, it's where we get the English word psyche. And the sukekos man, the natural man, it means the sensitive man, the sense man. 
okay? He's animated, all right? Um, and he is uh, differentiated from the uh, higher or the renovated nature, okay? Uh, so this man is a sensual man, the natural man. That's what it means, the lower or bestial nature. So Paul writes literally, and he says that the natural man, in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 2, the sukikos man, or the sukekos man, the natural man, this man of senses. I have five senses. Well, the sense man receives not the things of the spirit, the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Somebody may have been thinking what I was reading earlier and what God is intending to do is foolish and impossible. That's only the natural-minded man. The spiritual men and women out there would have been feeding on the Word of God, receiving the Word of God, bringing the Word of God, the Holy Ghost teaching, and saying, yes, that's it, because they're resonating with what God is doing by His Spirit. Now, it says that they are foolishness to the Sukikos man, or the Sukikos man, the psychic man, the, 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 the sense man, the sensual man, right? They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But, I love verse 15, listen, but he that is spiritual judges all things. So we have, a, we have something that's opposed to one another. We have a natural man, and we have a spiritual man. If you're natural, you're solical, you're suited, you're psychological, you're full of emotion and reasoning and logic, and it's usually opposed to the, of, of the nature of God, the wisdom of God. So man's wisdom, man's sense reality, man, it's a very high in some ways, from scientists to all the builders of the world, you know, you get it, very highly educated but it's still foolishness in comparison to the wisdom of God, the Holy Ghost, spiritual things. So he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Now watch this. The word spiritual is the pneumaticos. The pneumaticos. This is important. The spiritual man. There is a natural man. There is a spiritual man. The spiritual man is the pneumaticos man, meaning in the definition, non-carnal. Ah, the carnal mind is enmity with God. Romans chapter 8, the carnal-minded man, the logical man, the sensitive man, the natural man, okay, that's who he is. But the spiritual man, the pneumaticos, the pneuma, is where you get the word from, the pneuma, okay? The pneumaticos man is non-carnal. He's ethereal. It is spiritual, supernatural, but it also means regenerated. He is the regenerated man, not the degenerated man that fell in the garden. Man has degenerated. He's degenerate, okay, from the purpose and calling of God from his original intention. But when we're born again, we become spiritual. We become pneumaticos. 
We become regenerated. In Titus, he talks about we have received the regeneration and baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we are the regenerated, the spiritual. We are the supernatural. We are the non-carnal. And yet you have ministers of God everywhere insisting that we're always going to be carnal. We're always going to be sinners. We're always going to be the psychological man, emotional, you know, all of that. But that's not the word of God. Paul the apostle knew what he was talking about, that the eternal purpose of God is to make of you and I part of the one new man in the earth, the one new Maticos man in the earth. Come on. So the spirit there is the pneuma. So the spiritual man, the word spiritual, pneumaticos, comes from the deep root pneuma, the pneuma man. And that just simply means the spirit. It talks about a current of air, the breath, which is super important. Now listen, here's how you know the difference between the suke, the psychological, sensitive, natural, reasoning, man or mind and this is how you know the spiritual it is by the current of air or the breath that comes out of your mouth whatever is coming out of your mouth is breathed and it's either coming out of the suke man or it's coming out of the pneumaticos man it's either coming out of the sensual man nature or the spiritual man nature, the divine nature. You see, this is so important to know, recognize, and understand what we're looking at, how we view it, what we say to it. This is where God wants you and I, the only speaking spirits in the earth, we're the only speaking spirits on the planet that can speak. And we have a choice what we're going to speak. Either solical, natural man ideas, logic, emotion, reasoning, or we're going to speak by the Spirit. The Apostle Paul spoke and wrote his letters by the Spirit, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, bringing his listeners into an elevated place in the Spirit. Now, when it becomes a reality, when we're truly what? Born again all of a sudden we begin to speak out of that born-again spirit. The breath, the current of air, the blast that comes out of our mouth, the spirit, okay? Holy Spirit life. So if you want to know what nature you're operating out of, listen to what you say. If you entertain a spirit of, well, we're never going to be perfect, or we're always going to sin, and, you know, there's really no idea of picking up my cross and dying to all of my human nature. That can't happen here. You're speaking out of the sense man, and you're coming into agreement with, with what is sensible, what is natural, what is, you know, acceptable to a fallen human brain that can't even begin to comprehend what God is able to do. But when we believe what God says in his word, and we come into agreement with what God says in his word, we step into the realm and speak, and as God spoke and it became so, what we speak, we shall become. It gets a little better than that. Let's go to another passage of scripture in the Gospel of John. 
You all know this very, very well. Here's what it says in John chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. Okay? John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see, perceive, recognize the kingdom of God. Well, there you have to put it together with the teachings that we've just gone through. Unless one is born again and receives a new nature, he'll never be able to perceive or recognize the kingdom language, the kingdom advancement, the kingdom conduct that is revealed in the word of God. If you're not born again, that means you're going to remain in your sensual, carnal, natural-minded man nature, which is fallen, okay? But if you're born again, Jesus said, now you're going to have the eyes, the perception, the ability to recognize, peer into the things of God and understand that what God says, God is able to make to become a reality. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, my pneumaticos, the pneuma, the breath of my spirit, that everything will get done. Now, we have these two natures in conflict, don't we? We have an old nature, and we have a new nature, if we're born again. If we've been born again, God has put his seed, his incorruptible seed, into the good soil of our heart, and therefore contained within that seed is the entirety of the new-natured man. The seed that was planted in us was Christ, and so therefore that seed must produce Christ, and we must become like him, okay? The second man, we've all been like Adam, so... If I'm born again, now my eyes are open and I can see kingdom purpose. I can recognize and perceive what God is able to do. That doesn't mean on this side of eternity we don't groan and are burdened. But understand that our groan and being burdened is not because we're living in as captive sinners. We are no longer captive sinners. We have been set free. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Okay? So the groaning and the burden is that we're living in this tabernacle, this, these tents, but we do have a building of God in heaven that our spirit and soul is going to be transported into, either by translation or by resurrection. We have the promise of these brand new bodies that will never get sick, never get tired, never get old. But just because we're burdened and groaning does not mean that we're captive to the human nature. Our burden and groaning is that we're resisting and we're walking in the spirit against the flow of humanity. So many people think that the groaning and the burdening, the burdening of our lives is because we're stuck and trapped in sin. That is not what Paul was teaching. He was saying that in this tabernacle we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon with our house from heaven. In other words, we're going into a realm that there's no resistance to. I mean, praise God. But just remember, the groaning and the burden that we live in this world is because we are battling demons. We are battling our own flesh. We are battling world decor. We are battling. So that's why it's a groaning and a burden and a travailing. But it doesn't mean we're captive sinners. We've been set free. We're born again and have the liberty to walk in the spirit, which means to let the words of our mouth be spiritual in agreement with God's spirit. You see, God's word, God spoke 
his word, and all we're doing is coming into agreement with what God spoke. And when we believe and have faith in what God said, and we walk in it and we speak it, that's walking and living in the spirit. It has everything to do with what we say. And if we're speaking out of the natural man, it's always going to be negative. It's going to be cannot do. It's going to be worldly. It's going to be carnal. It's going to be all this natural stuff. But Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and the spirit. And that's the pneuma, the pneumaticos, born of the spirit. So the spirit of God, the spirit of God's word entering into our minds, entering into our hearts, our spirit grabbing hold of God's spirit. And then we speak what God spoke and then we become what God's word will create. Remember, God spoke and he created. So God spoke by the breath, by the pneumaticos, by the pneuma, into our born-again spirit. Our born-again spirit takes hold, is infused to God's spirit and God's word, because spirit is word. It's the breath is what is said. And all of a sudden, God spoke and it became. And you and I will become if we come into agreement. And I believe there's going to be people living in the last days on this earth, they're going to come into agreement with what God's word says, not what people speak from behind pulpits, soothsaying the people, you're never going to be this, you're never going to be that, you can't do this, you can't do that. Baloney. It's not the word, okay? Then he said, unless you're born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. He cannot enter. Unless it's spiritual, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God or the experience of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, we preach a lot about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost being the kingdom of God. We want peace. We want righteousness. We want joy. What a great way to live. I can't imagine another experience that would be greater than walking in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But born again, it cannot be. We can't enter into that reality. We cannot enter into that because there's something in our human, carnal, suke, natural experience that's impeding and blocking the way. The only way through that block is to speak God's word. Speak it. I have the joy of the Lord. I have peace from God. I don't care what's going on in the world. I'm going to go through. I'm useful to the Lord. Speak the word of God. That's the only way to do it. It's not thinking the word of God. And I know that as a man thinks, so is he. In other words, if you're thinking the thoughts of the natural man, that's who you are. But if you're speaking the word of God, spirit, breath, that's where the life is. It's not in the thought. It's in the blast of the breath of the words that we speak. Okay? So, whew, I love it. So that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit, the pneuma, is spirit. So are we flesh, natural, sensual, or are we spirit? Well, if we haven't been born again, there's been, you, you know, you could t- what religion is, religion is taking everything that we read in the Bible 
building a building, everybody comes and we conform to whatever structure they have, but there's no transformation of the life. Religion is the lack of transformation. It's the lack of evidence. It's the lack of proof. And so you could say, well, look, we're religious. We have robes and we've got hats and we've got programs and pews and a choir and songs and the Bible. We preach it and teach it just like Israel was doing under the Old Testament. That's exactly what they said. We've got the temple. We've got the priest. We've got the Torah. And yet God was saying, you guys are going under judgment because your conduct. And that was just a worldly conduct from the sensible people, okay, in a higher order of just obeying and honoring God. But we in the New Covenant have something so far superior than just the Torah, a book. We have the internal transform and transformative power in us. Wow. So, spirit. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Are you born again? Has God put his seed into your soil? Has there been some proof and evidence of a transformed life? I tell you now, if you will begin to speak spiritual words, pneuma words, pneumaticos words, if you will begin to speak Holy Spirit words, every scripture in the Bible is God-breathed. Isn't that what Paul told Timothy? All scripture is inspired by God. Let me get to that real quick. I want to see that real quick. All scripture. Let me just type that in there. All scripture. And remember, the word scripture comes from the script, right? So the word comes from the script. Uh, when you are on a, uh, in a play, they give you a script. You're making a movie. They give you a script. And you are to go by what the script says, Right? So let's see if I can find myself in a better place here. I think they're giving me a little bit of a hard time. Let's see if I can get it. Let's go. Um, and I'll just do it on my phone if I have to, because it's, it's important. All scripture. All right. All scripture. Okay. All scripture. Let's see if I can get it that way. There it is. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. Listen to what? The Apostle Paul said to his son in the faith, Timothy, he said in 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it's inspired. Let's look at some of these words. Number one, scripture. Into what? Oh, okay. So uh, all scripture, the word scripture is the graphe, okay, and that is where we get the writing, okay, things that are written, um, holy scripture, a document. So the Bible, all scripture is, what's that, babe? Uh, it is given by inspiration. So the inspired word of God literally is talking about the divinely breathed, divinely breathed, there it is again, the breath of God spoken. So all scripture is spoken by God. It's God breathed. It's intended to enter into us just like God breathed in the nostrils of the first man, Adam. So his life breath is being breathed into us 
when we receive the word of God, and in turn, we respond and are animated in a born-again way. Now, why is this important? Why are we talking about this? Honestly, let me, let me shift my heart to you right now, okay? Because this is also God-breathed reality. There are things that are happening in this world, and you know it and I know it, that are so gross to the purpose of God, so contrary to the purpose of God. We now live in a world where militarized police are controlling populations because they won't get a vaccination. We are now living in a world that is showing the designs of one world government tribulation condition. We are now living where they have this big statue called the giant that's going on a a global tour, and it transforms itself into all the superheroes and heroes of the ancient empires of the world, and it speaks. Um, This is unbelievable, in-your-face reality. And what I'm going to do probably tomorrow, hopefully, is show you the video of the giant. But you could actually go to Google to confirm what I'm saying. This is real. This isn't going to be. It is. Type in the giant, the statue that moves around the world. Type it in. It is unbelievable that Revelation 13 talks about building an image or making a statue that both speaks Okay, so that's happening in the world we live in right now. We live in a world where it's very eerily likened under the mark of the beast. You won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And how in Sweden and other places around the world, they're starting to take the implanted microchips. We know that the vaccination travels to the hand. They travel to the brain. Uh, We know these things. Okay, this is true. But the most realistic reality of the vaccination is that this is scientific fact. It carries fetal tissue of aborted babies. But I want you to know something. It's not just in the vaccination. The devil hates God so much. While we've been arguing and complaining about all the problems in the world, he's put that baby aborted feces in your food in your drink, in your cosmetics, in your shampoo. He's put it in the food. He has saturated the 90 million babies that have been murdered in our country and the 500 million, which I'm sure is more now, around the world. All that baby blood that they've been drinking. You know, they didn't make movies like Dracula for nothing. They have been drinking blood to keep themselves alive and young for a long time. Joe Biden drinks a lot of baby blood, there's no doubt. So does Bill Clinton and so the rest of them, the Hollywood movie stars. They all drink the blood because of the babies, because of what it makes them live longer. How weird is that, right? Yeah, we're talking about the other side of the coin now. There's a reason why we're needing to tap into what we were saying earlier. So they have put the feces and the fetuses, and the blood of innocent babies everywhere. You don't even know it. You know why your hair grows a little bit 
thicker when you put certain product in your hair? Because there's something in it that they use from the baby's thesis. Okay? It's in what you're eating. It's in ingredients. It's everywhere. That's just the beginning of the weird stuff going on. People have been partaking, about, partaking of it unwillingly because they haven't taken the time to really look at what products they're using or what food they're eating or what they're drinking, okay? And they're putting this like Salvian Green. You remember the movie? Salvian Green, where they were the meat processing was from human bodies. It's getting super weird. It's been weird. And may there be an awakening. Now, not only that, are politicians drinking blood, and they're going through the same garbage with their so-called, we're going to grill uh, Millie, and we're going to grill them. The Senate's going to grill them. Come on. It's a joke. It is unredeemed, unregenerate man dealing with unredeemed, unregenerate man just on the good side of the good and the evil. That's it. But they're both dead. They're not spiritual. Now, So we have that going on. We have vaccinations going on that are now being said they're going to kill people, the vaccinations. Well, there's fetal tissue in it. Yeah, but there's a bunch of other stuff as well. It's what that does, the fetal tissue, it's a perversion and a corruption of humanity itself. It's eating the blood. It's eating the flesh of human beings in you. It's weird. It's not your own DNA. It's somebody else's DNA. We live in a world that is satanically inspired. It's a very sick world. It's a very sick world. And it's really unfortunately, it's really unfortunate the spiritual ecclesia is thinking that the men of this world are more intelligent than they. And if we would just speak God's word into this reality of what's going on, uh, we, may, we may come out of it. We live in a world that is, I mean, God's creation is absolutely beautiful. Even though it's waning and it's waxing old, we still find beautiful places around the world. We're not talking about that. We're talking about how man has decorated this planet God's beautiful planet, he decorated it with his abomination. And the world today embraces abomination. The world today is outspoken. The San Francisco gay choir sang a song about we're coming for your children. And they sang it with such glee. We're coming for your children. California, uh, New York, Chicago. I I mean, where do you stop? Where do you begin? Where do you go with all of this? An evil thing is happening. It's always been evil because the day that man fell, Satan entered in and he's been around for 6,000 years and he's figured out human nature. The thing he was never able to deal with was Christ. He could hit every other, he can get David, the king of Israel, to sin with Bathsheba. He can get Samson to go into a harlot. He can get Solomon to marry 300 wives and worship idols from other gods. He could take the best of the best. He could have Noah, one of the most righteous men, get have a problem with one of his sons and get drunk. He gets Noah, Noah gets drunk. Okay? 
The only being in recorded history that the devil was not able to mess with, Confucius, he told him lies and he spewed lies and everybody believed it, whole Asia, into Buddhism. Spoke lies. He was able to get his mouth. He was able to get it. Islamic clerics, the Mahdi's, the Imams, the Khalifas, he got them. The only man that he was not able to get was Jesus Christ. The only way that he won't get us is to become like our head. If we don't become like him and navigate by his spirit and are led by his spirit, we are going to experience what all mankind has experienced, death. Death. Death is an enemy to be conquered. Those who are born again should not fear death. Listen to what I said. Those who are born again should not fear death. Why? Because we know that these bodies are going to have to give way. They're either going to be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and glorified, or they're going back to the dust of the earth. Okay? So for the born-again spirit and soul of man, there's no fear of death. Anguish, provocation is going to intensify exponentially. You think you were upset about 90 million babies being aborted, men marrying men, the Supreme Court creating laws that offend the mind of God. Oh, yeah, we were so excited. We were so angry about it. We didn't like it. We didn't like what's going on. And all this wicked, evil, demonically inspired garbage we hated to hear about, evil things that went on in society. Get ready for an exponential provocation to rise in this earth. And how we respond to that will determine where we go. Here is the patience of the saints. Wait, endure, go low, go under. But the provocation is going to draw out some intense stuff. It's going to happen. God's word says that in the last days, evil men will wax worse and worse. The evil men of the world today, in other words, those who are not born again, possessing the divine nature, not even in a taste, or not even in just a little bit, okay, let alone bringing it to fullness and maturity, they're going to get worse. They're not going to get better. And they think now that they're having fun and they're partying because they have the world, they're drinking the blood, they're staying young, they're having sex, they're spending money, they have all the great things of the world, they have power, but they're going to die because that blood is only going to last so long. And they're going to suffer eternal torment is what the God-breathed, inspired word of God says. They're going to suffer eternal torment. Every person that has rejected the knowledge of God and has lived contrary to him is going to suffer eternal torment. The unfortunateness of people like you and I is that we're heading into an environment, a very provocative environment, 
the Jews were led into an environment, a very provocative environment in Nazi Germany. The Jewish people were brought in, they were led in to the slaughterhouses. <clears throat> we're being led, the nations of the earth, into the Great Tribulation. You and I do not want to go there. It's going to happen no matter what. But we don't have to be in the great tribulation being afflicted by it. We desire to be led into the wilderness because we have a conduct that is befitting that kind of salvation and preservation. Okay? The hope of those going into the wilderness, the hope of those who are going to be preserved and spared the great tribulation anguish that is coming on the whole earth, is that immediately after those three and a half years of great tribulation, the Lord will return and the the dead will rise and we who are alive and remaining will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That's the hope. You say, well, you know, if I go into the Great Tribulation, I go into the Great Tribulation. Be careful about what you're thinking. I'm going to ask you to think of one day in your life that was hard. I'm going to ask you to think about one day where you felt some kind of persecution or tribulation. You know, tribulation existed. We go, Everybody goes through some kind of tribulation, right? So I want you to think of the worst day that you've ever had either being persecuted or disliked or hated or hunted or tribulated in some fashion. Have you gotten it yet? Multiply it one million times. Just multiply that one day, one million times. Maybe that one hour. Multiply it. What kind of anguish would that be? What kind of anguish would hit your soul? And having no tomorrow for three and a half years. Three and a half years. If you're dead and beheaded, better off are you. But if you go like the Jews into Nazi Germany and you stay there, those however long they were there in the concentration camps, and they suffered the way that they did, they were experimented on. They were starved to death. They were slaves. They were humiliated. They were put to shame. Only God knows the atrocities that have happened to those people, to their women, to their children, to those men, how they were deeply humiliated, deeply ashamed, deeply afflicted and anguished. That was a foretaste of the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth that is coming. So you want to play games with God and think, well, if I go to the great tribulation, I go. You want to play those games, go ahead. You want to act like that? Go ahead. The Bible stresses the anguish of that moment for a reason. It should provoke us to live a life that God would spare us from such an event. But the reality of Scripture in Revelation 7 is the majority of believers are going into it. I believe. This is my belief. Right or wrong, I believe it that this great tribulation could begin in about six months. I said, in five months, you better get positioned. 
You need to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now, the next five months. You're going to have to discomfort yourself. You're going to have to get yourself out of places you don't belong in, and you're going to have to get to places that God reveals. You need to be positioned during the next five months. Why? Because in April, the potential for this that we're living in right now, what we're seeing in Australia, what we're seeing in other parts of the world, what we're seeing in New York City, what we're seeing in California, it's coming. And people will wake up in a snare, like Jesus said, and they will not escape. He is referring directly to the great tribulation, the last, final, great, global tribulation to hit the face of the earth before the Lord Jesus Christ returns. There have been many seasons of tribulation throughout the history of the church age and the world, but none of them brought in the lordship of Jesus Christ. Not in 70 AD, because if Jesus would have come, there would have been a resurrection, there would have been a translation, There would have been pouring out of the wrath of God. There would have been the coming of the kingdom of God. We'd be in the new Jerusalem in glorified bodies, living forever. Never happened. But where we are heading biblically through God-inspired words is clear. The only thing is, is that there are few things that lead me to believe that by April, particularly April 2nd, this will be no April's fool joke, particularly by that time because of the numerology of God's word, okay? Years ago, Patricia and I were sitting on our couch having a Sabbath day. We were in Sabbath. We were reclining, reposing, relaxing with the word of God. And the spirit of the Lord quickened something in me. And he said, and this is going back to 5776 and 5777, going way back. And he said, look at the meaning of the number of the Hebrew year that you're in. And so I did. I went to the Hebrew concordance. I looked up the number of the year, 5777. And I looked at what that 5777, I clicked on it, and it brought me to a definition. I did that, and then he said, look at 5778. I did that, and I looked at a definition. 5779, 5780, 5781, which is where we are right now. We are not in 5782. That's rabbinical teaching. Rosh Hashanah, the new year, no. In God's Torah, the new year will begin April 2nd, 2022 in our Gregorian calendar. So I looked at the meaning of the number 5781. It's the Nemuaka in the Hebrew. And all those other numbers set a pattern that was unbelievably accurate Even going into 2020, 5780, the consultation of the wicked to break the yoke of the righteous, Psalm 2, is what it meant. 
everything was so accurate. So I looked at 5781, the Hebrew year that we are in right now that began in April. I think it was March or April, just a few months ago. And we will be there until next April 2nd. That's when 5782 will begin. But the definition of 5781 was pack your bags. Get out. Come out of her, my people. Now, pack your bags. That's the time we're in. It also means anguish. It means tribulation. It means affliction and distress. All Hebrew. So I thought about that. 5782, which will be April 2nd, if you have not packed your bags, if you have not packed your bags, and you have not gone into your secret place, if you have not packed your bags and moved away from the places that God has marked for disaster, You know, remember the solar eclipse came this way and it's going to come this way. If you have not gotten out of your Sodom and Gomorrah, your your life that you built and you love and you cherish with your children, like Sodom and Gomorrah, where Lot and his wife, they built a house, even though they were vexed every day by the filthy conduct of the wicked, and God sent angels to get them out because Abraham interceded, but the children wanted to stay, except the daughters of Lot, the son-in-laws thought he was crazy. And then Mrs. Lot looked back and became a pillar of salt, okay, because they left out. They lingered for so long that they fled with nothing, and bad things happened. If you have not utilized these moments to get yourself out of the places that are going to get hit with disaster, the snare is going to come. That's on you. That's because you chose where to be. 5782, April 2nd, begins the new season of the awakening. In other words, in 5782, people are going to wake up. And they're either going to wake up in the snare going into the greatest tribulation that's going to commence, or they're going to wake up in a good place, in the wilderness. Daniel Seckham shared that we're going into the wilderness. The wilderness is all over the world, but there are places prepared by God for God's people. I believe this because I'm not going to take away God giving me a spiritual instruction to do something I've never heard anybody else before do. I wasn't copying anybody, and I looked at these numbers of these words and the meaning of them, and I'm now looking at where we are. Get ready. Pack your bags. Get to the right place before you have to flee like Lot and wind up in a mountain with some crazy stuff going on with your daughters. Get to an accurate place. And if where you are is where God told you to be, and that's the place where he's provided for you and maybe your family and friends and church body members, well, praise God, you're prepared. But if you're living and you're not prepared for three and a half years, 
Now, remember what three and a half years is going to bring, like the vaccination, okay? You won't be able to go to a restaurant. You won't be able to, but here's the reality of Scripture now, Revelation 13. You won't be able to buy or sell. You cannot buy. You cannot sell in the new world order of things that is coming. If it's a vaccination, the whole world, like so many people have said, come on, we can go to the football games, we can go shopping, we can go to the mall. It's all going to be there. You just won't be able to buy or sell or use it unless you take the mark of the beast. So the Don Lemons of the world from CNN News will say out loud, well, then just tell those unvaccinated people they can't go to the football game. They can't go to restaurants. They can't get on an airplane. Well, let's take it further than what Don Lemon has to say, and let's just go into the realm of you cannot buy groceries. You cannot have insurance on your car. You will not be able to pay your mortgage on your house. You will not be able to pay your rent at your apartment. You will not be able to get uh, anything, your driver's license, your insurance card, your social security card will have zero value in the new world order of things. Where are you going to get your food from? Where are you going to get your water from? What are you going to live in? Oh, don't worry about that, Pastor Vince. The pre-tribulational rapture is going to get us out of here. Bad plan. Really bad plan. More likely, the concentration camps of Nazi Germany, only this will be for the unvaccinated. But you say, well, many Christians have taken the vaccination. Well, if it is the mark of the beast, they just damned their souls forever. Period. That's Bible. That's not natural man thinking. That's Bible, inspired word of God. Whoever takes the mark of the beast will be in eternal torment. The smoke of their torment will go forever. So if the vaccination is the mark of the beast and you took it, you have damned your soul, period. You have damned your soul. You better hope that that vaccination is not the mark of the beast. You better hope that this was a dry run, a test. And if you took that that vaccination and it's not the mark of the beast, you better pray for some powerful people to come and pray and rebuke the death that that thing wants to put in your body. And maybe God will spare you from it. But you just had a test run, citizens of the world. Because if it were a mark and the people took it the way they did, They are damned forever. So when I hear people say, oh, it's the mark of the beast. It's the mark. It's the mark. Well, if that were true, then those who took it are damned and doomed to eternal torment. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 14. Now, why would we take the mark? Well, why are people taking vaccinations? Number one, out of fear. Fear is the driving factor. Number two, I got to go to the restaurant. I want to enjoy life. I want to go to the ball game. I got to pay my insurance. I got to pay my mortgage. I got to pay my rent. I got to go to work. But without the mark of the beast, the real mark of the beast, you won't be able to do any of that. 
So how are you going to dwell? And there is no tribulation. There is no pre-trib rapture. One of two things is going to happen to you. Number one, you will be like the church of Philadelphia that will be kept from the hour of uh, temptation that's coming on the whole world. In other words, you'll be brought into a Goshen. You'll be brought into your chambers. You'll be brought into the wilderness where God is prepared to take care of you for three and a half years, just like Revelation 12 says. Or you will have to go because you won't yield. You're not going to take that mark. It's going to be very clear. Okay, this is the mark. Your mind, your spirit's going to bear witness. You're not going to take the mark. So you're going to go into tribulation. You're going to suffer for it. What does that look like? Your children, your spouse, putting on prison clothes, being inspected and examined by more hatred than they had in Nazi Germany when those German soldiers were among those people. They despised the Jewish people. And that was Satan's enmity. That was Satan's hatred. In these last days, to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. So in these last days, it's a global hatred. And you're already seeing it rise. And I warn you, if you have an ear to hear, if you have an eye to see and a heart to understand, get to the right place. I don't have an uneasiness about me, about where I live. I was led here by the Spirit of the Lord. And the environment that I live in is better than the environments all around the world. It's a great environment. If God were to say to me personally, I want you to pack your bags and go somewhere else, I'd do it. I would do it. And I would call all who are connected to our ministry, let's go. I would let them know. You make your decision. You choose. You do what you got to do. But I know for me and my house, we are here on purpose. Whether or not this is the final resting place, I don't know. Is there a deeper place? I don't know. God knows. And I know that if it's a God-ordained place, then God's going to protect it. That I know. I'm not putting my confidence in my food, my water, my guns, or anything else. My confidence is that wherever God tells me to be, like I kept hearing over and over, the safest place to be is in the will of God. But in order to know the will of God, Romans chapter 12 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will is. You can't even know what his will is if you don't present your body a living sacrifice. If you're not willing to give up your house or your neighborhood or your state where you live in, my God, how are you going to give up your, the rest of your life? So, five months from now, April 2nd, I think is it about six months. Let's see, we're at September, like what, the 29th, 28th? So we have October, November, December, January, February, five months you have, okay? And then you have March. By March 2022, you should be where God led you to be. If you don't know where God led you to be, you need to enter into your prayer closet. You need to shut the door. You need to hit your knees 
Go through whatever agony you have to go through to get the confusion out of your head until you are alone with God and could hear only God's voice. Okay? Where am I supposed to go? Get connected. Get connected. By March... It gives you another 30 days now that you've made your transition. Maybe you've got to the place you needed to be by March. Now you see La, and you move throughout that place with peace, and you wait. Five months from now, six months from now, going into April, If everything is normal and you've moved somewhere, a place that you heard God tell you to go to, you're still in the right place. I warn you, I'm not playing games. It's something I believe by the Spirit. I warn you. However, I also will say, to do all that without being born again, without walking in the Spirit, it won't matter. Both need to work. By walking in the Spirit, you'll be led by the Spirit. You'll know where to go. Showing up fearful, afraid, carnal, fleshly, worldly, you'll never make it into the wilderness. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'll see you tomorrow. Lord willing, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. God bless everybody. Have a super blessed day. Um, For those, you know, I see a lot of people calling in right now. And what I'll do, I think we just lost Blog Talk Radio. I don't think we can actually uh, broadcast out of there right now, but we'll see. Let me, what's that? Oh, okay, good. So we're still hearing? All right. So um, let me, praise the Lord here, let me take uh, this first call. Uh, where are we? This one works. Let me just see if I if we're being heard here today. We've got a friend calling in from area code 916. Let me get my settings directed here. We go to my audio and let me get to my D. Uh, good morning. God bless you. I believe this is Brother Mark calling in from Northwest Arkansas. How are you doing, sir? Oh, brother, I'm just feeling ever so blessed and just grateful beyond measure. Just grateful beyond measure for all of the provision that God has sent our way and for having participated and partaken in the feast, which closed out yesterday. You know, um, oh, good morning, Pastor Vincent. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, sir. Go ahead. I'm enjoying your conversation, please. Well, I'm telling you, I'm just on fire. Um, you know, listen, I really appreciate the synopsis that you laid out of biblical scripture as applies to the reality in the world today, uh, particularly the United States of America. And my wife was just mentioning to me not, not 45 seconds ago that while we still were living in California, that she was hearing of the Lord. She was hearing in the spirit, pack your bags and get out. 
And it just so happens that, well, I'm sorry, the word just so happens is not at all correct. In the wisdom of the Lord, the Holy Spirit led us, my wife and I, to northwest Arkansas to come live across the street from you and Pastor Patricia and to be invited into the ecclesia that you have been leading for close to 30 years. Amen. We are so grateful that the Lord has just given the instructions to us that he has given. I, I can say that in the spirit of the Lord, Cindy and I are on the right path. We are making arrangements to be under the protection of the Lord when society does fall apart. Uh, I'm not going to disclose details because that doesn't need to be talked about on the air, but we are on the path that the Lord has set before us, and we both are just extremely grateful. And okay, so Mark. Along the way, Mark, would you would do me one favor? Um, they were not hearing you. I believe they can hear you now. Uh, would you go back just to a little bit of the beginning about you and and your 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 wife? That um, what what how you got to where you did? You were in Sacramento. Tell that story one more time, please. Oh, absolutely. With pleasure. Um, It was over two years ago. It was probably closer to three years ago that as we were living in Sacramento, California and going to church, that my wife kept hearing a persistent whispering of the Holy Spirit. The whispering that she kept hearing and kept telling me about over and over again was, and I quote, wake up, unquote. That was the whispering of the Holy Spirit. And she also heard, along with wake up, she heard pack your bags. She kept hearing this over and over again, and she shared that with me repetitively over a period of several months. Finally, the Lord provided an avenue for us to come to northwest Arkansas, to leave California entirely, which is what we did. And then we became part of the ecclesia that you you and Pastor Patricia have been leading. So now here we are. And the Lord has been whispering to me ever so loudly that Cindy and I are on the path that the Lord has chosen for us. We are coming out of Babylon. We are making our preparations to live amongst the ecclesia. I will divulge that, you know, we will be living close to the ark where you have prepared, where the Lord has prepared a place for you. Everything that you have shared with us in the synopsis that you laid out this morning, both in scripture and in the news reports coming from the world, all I can say is that the news reports confirm what has been laid out in scripture. And both of those entities, the developments of the world and scripture, are confirming what Cindy and I have been hearing from the Lord. And the result of this is that we are so grateful. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to look back and to imagine what it would be like still living in California with this tidal wave of tribulation coming in. We Had we still been living there and not hearing the word of God, we would have been swept away, destroyed. And to be honest with you, Pastor, any more in my heart there's really not much that frightens me. The only thing that really does frighten me for reals is to hear the words, 
depart from me. I never knew you. That's the only thing that really scares me. Everything else, you know, I might have a little nervousness about this or that or the other, but I so understand now that what has to happen in my heart is hearing yeah, the babe. word of God. Okay. Mark, yeah, it was excellent. It, uh, blog talk just went off the air. So, uh, but you okay. said what you need to say. Our friends are listening on YouTube right now and on um, the Omega Radio Network. So, brother, thank you for calling. Uh, very You're excellent. Welcome. Yeah, I love you, man. God bless your heart. We'll see you in just a little bit. That sounds great. Love you, too. All right, man. Bye-bye. Thank you so Come much. On. All right. So great calls. I uh, just want to say to everybody, uh, Jeff Bass is out there with us today, and I'm sorry on YouTube. I guess I should have went two hours today, but um, I see our friend Charlotte Gotch is with us this morning. Joyce Young, Laquita, God bless you. Jeff Bass, David Ellison. Uh, Pastor Jeff is talking about the number four. I'm blown away as I'm sitting here looking at this right now that Pastor Jeff woke up and said that he's been waking up at 444. And our brother Paul came to the meeting this week. He's tavern. I was talking about 444. And then I was looking at a license plate yesterday, 444 or 14. Um, and so these 444s, and I'm learning right now that the number four means corrupt and filthy, or 444 means morally corrupt and filthy, but it also is King David's frequency when he played the, he played before God. So, Wow. 444. Wait till I tell Paul about that. That's going to be incredible. All right, folks, that's it for us right now. We love you. God bless you. Joyce Young is with us as well. Have a blessed day. Shalom.